Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to thank Burton for uh, supporting the show in that way. Thank you so much for your support, Burton. Uh, and you can also send along a recurring uh, donation through the uh, Patreon. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. And uh, you can become one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. All right, well, now we're going to get into today's episode of Under Arrest. Today's episode of Under Arrest originally aired November 7th, 1948. And the title is Barber. Mutual presents Under Arrest. Into your Criminals Behind Bars, Under Arrest, the story of Police Captain Jim Scott's fight against crime. Captain Scott... There's a woman out here to see you, Captain. Madge Barker. Tell her I'm busy. I can't see anybody. Madge Barker, you said? That's right. Yeah. Okay, send her in, Sergeant. The call came in around 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I was busy filling out a report. Too busy really to see anybody, but Madge Barker was different. I hadn't seen Madge in years. She was what you might call an old friend from the other side of the track. Married to Joe Barker, a small-time crook who was in and out of stir as often as the river ferry is in and out of the slip. But Madge hadn't always been on the other side of the tracks. Once, she'd been Inspector Tom Wilson's daughter. Funny, a cop's daughter marrying a crook. None of us in the department could figure it out. Old Inspector Wilson had been dead five years now, and I hadn't seen Madge since the funeral. I wondered what the years with Joe had done to her. So I pushed aside the report and waited. Pretty soon the door opened. Madge hadn't changed much on the surface. She was about 28 now, an attractive honey blonde with plenty of appeal and big blue eyes. And that's where the change was. In the eyes. There was a kind of sad expression in them that hadn't been there before. I guess they'd seen plenty of hard times knocking around with Joe. What she did was her own business, even though I'd been pretty burned about the whole thing. Madge sat down, pulled a pack of cigarettes from her purse, and opened them. Cigarette, Jim? Thanks. Been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. How are you keeping yourself, Madge? Around. Is it social call or business? Half and half. It's about Joe. Thought he was doing time. Got out last month. 
What kind of trouble is he in now? Don't rub it in, will you? Sorry. How is Joe? I don't know. Haven't seen him lately. Didn't he come home? Sure, he came home for a while. He had a flat in Gary, and he came back and spent two weeks with me. And then, sick. Restless, huh? You know, Joe. Where is he now? I don't know. That's why I came to see you. Why me? Jim, you've got to help. Why me? Missing persons is just down the hall. Oh, for heaven's sakes, Jim, I'm asking you to help me. You think I should? Well, I, I, I... All right. Maybe I asked for it. You all told me he was no good, that he was a good-for-nothing crook, and he'd always be a crook and never go straight. But let me tell you something. If I had it to do all over again, I'd still marry Joe. I'd marry him because I love him. I... I love the guy. All right, Madge, all right. Take it easy. I wasn't saying I told you so. I just wanted to find out, that's all. Find out what? Whether you still love him or not. And I see you do. That's good enough for me. I'm sorry. Forget it. Now, let's have the facts. When did you last see Joe? Well, he got a phone call the night before he left Gary from this city from a guy named Nick Rentano. I've heard of Nick. They say he's bad business. Joe can't seem to stay away from bad business. So you figure he's here in town and you want me to help you find him? Yes. Well, let's hope Joe isn't in any more trouble. I try, Jim. I, I, I swear I try. Every time he comes out, I, I try to set him on the right track. I do my best. What more can I oh, do? come on, Madge. Come on. Uh, crying isn't going to help. Yeah. Here's a handkerchief. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. That's better. Will you... Will you give me a hand, Jim? I'll do what I can, Madge. I'll do what I can. <laughs> When Madge left, I sat back and tried to figure out the best way to find Joe Barker among four million people. <laughs> Billy's big and Joe's a small guy. There no sense in going around knocking on doors, so I went to see the toothpick. <laughs> toothpick around? Yeah. Now, Leo, there's a guy here wants to see you. Right away. Leo Sedlak was a smart little grifter who sold his information at inflationary prices. Five hundred bucks here, a thousand bucks for the next guy. A lot of dough, but his information was level and he never crossed anybody. Maybe that's why he was still alive. They called him the toothpick because he always wore one sticking out of the corners of his mouth and it wagged up and down as he talked. Jack, what brings you down here? What are you drinking, Leo? The right. You heard the man? Right. What do you want, Scott? Joe Barker. Where is he? Search me. Come on, Leo. No curve. It's an official grill. I can make it official and drag you into headquarters. You won't have to. 235 South Gedney Street, room night. That's talking. Thanks for the drink. Nothing at all. Oh, by the way, Leo, where can I find Nick Montano? Never heard of him. You need another drink? No. And even if you took me in, I still wouldn't know. Hmm. Nick's got everybody that scared, huh? I'm in good health now, Scott. I want to stay that way. Okay, Leo. Thanks. Two, three, five South Gedney was a tenement walk-up. And room eight was like room six and room seven and all the other rooms. 
small, dingy, and dark. The door was half open, but I knocked just the same. You know, I was brought up that way. Knocking didn't raise anybody, and my knuckles were getting raw, so I lost all sense of good manners, pushed the door wide, and walked in. I couldn't see a thing. I tried the light switch, but nothing happened. I got out my flash. Bright shaft split the darkness like a razor. I picked out a chair, nine-posted bed, battered chest of drawers, but no Joe Barker. Barker! Barker, you here? You in, Barker? Stumbled over something, turned my flash to the floor. He was in, all right. But obviously, he hadn't been expecting guests. Joe Barker was lying on the floor, and there were two holes in his chest. I couldn't have been standing there more than a few seconds, and my brain was already working on the call to homicide, the notification of the medical examiner, and telling Madge. And I heard the door close behind me, and I could hear somebody breathing in the room, and I knew it wasn't Joe Barker. I waited one second, two... Then I twisted around fast with the flash pointed at the door in my hand, reaching for my gun. Too late! When I came out of it, I found myself sitting in a chair with a damp towel on my forehead. The lights were on now, and... I heard somebody talking. It sounded very far away. First, I thought it was the Archangel Peter, but when my eyes focused again, I saw that it was Lieutenant Larry Gavin on the phone across the room. There were a few uniformed cops looking around. I told you, 235 South Gedney. What's the matter, John? Are you going, Jeff? Okay. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Oh, well, well, sweetie, you'll be right. Feeling better, Jim? I felt much better before. What happened? He got sapped. I know that much. How did you get here? One of the beat cops saw a guy running out of the building in an awful hurry. Came up to investigate. What about the guy who ran? Lost him. See his face? Nope. Say, that's a nice egg there on your head. Want to try to scramble? Yeah, very funny. Give me a cigarette, will you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks. How did the lights get on? They wouldn't work before. Somebody unscrewed the bulb. Barker's dead, isn't he? Very. Got the ball rolling? Uh-huh. Just phone for the M.E., the photographer, and the guy. Squad from the Scientific Research Division. You better stick here and mastermind the operation. Where are you going? See his wife, Madge Barker? We want to know. I didn't mean to break down. Well, it had to come sometime. Why keep it in? I, I, I don't know why I'm always crying on your shoulder. Forget it. You loved him, didn't you? Joe wasn't a bad guy. Couldn't keep on the right side of the law, but he never hurt anybody. Sure, I loved him. And I think he loved me. It was only... Only like he had a disease, that's all. Sure. Maybe it's better this way. Well, anyway, Madge. We won't get into any more trouble. That's right. Now, tell me, Madge. What did he do his last stretch for? 
they picked them up one day and found policy slips on them. First time? First time he got caught with them. Uh-huh. Who was in with him? I don't know. He did have a partner. Well, sure, but I never met him. Joe never told me much about his business life. Ever hear of this Nick Brentano before the day he called up? No. You're sure? Maybe Joe mentioned him once or twice, but I can't remember. He never named anybody in connection with the policy racket? Not to me. And he wouldn't squeal in court. That's why Joe took the rap alone. <laughs> Code of the underworld. Oh, I always told him it would get him in trouble. Who do you think did it, Jim? I don't know yet. But I'm playing a hunch. What hunch? That Nick Brentano is our boy. That Nick Brentano is playing trouble with Joe's base in the policy racket and that one of them tried to cross the other. Joe never tried to cross anybody. Maybe not. You gonna pick him up, Nick Brentano? When I find him. Where is he? Nobody seems to know. But I'm going to do my best to find out. It had been a long, hard night. When I left Madge, it was near seven in the morning, and the butterflies in my stomach told me I needed some breakfast. So I dropped into a greasy spoon diner around the corner from headquarters where I eat lunch every now and then. What's yours, Sherlock? Ham and eggs, toast and coffee, and leave off the wisecracks, Tony. You'll never make the airwaves. I can try, can't I? Adam and Eve on a raft. <laughs> Draw one. The toast was burned and the coffee was flat. But at least the empty pit in my stomach began to fill up. I was gulping the last of the coffee when somebody came along and perched on the stool beside me. I didn't take any notice until he nudged my arm. It was Leo Sedlak, the toothpick. Hello, Leo. What brings you into this poor man's ritz? I've been looking for you all night, Scott. Yeah, why? I heard about Barker. So? Listen, Scott, for Pete's sake, don't let on that I told you where he was. Why not? Why not? Listen, if Brentano ever finds Brentano, out Brentano, I... huh? You think he bumped Joe? Well, don't you? Maybe. What's yours, bud? Uh, coffee and a toothpick. Toothpick? What do you need a toothpick with coffee? Give him a toothpick, Tony. The man's mad. <laughs> You're telling me. Go on! You'll play with me, Scott. You won't let it out that sure, I told you. Oh, sure. Now tell me, Leo. What's Brentano got that makes everybody so weak kneed when his name comes up? Got a gun for one thing. Look what he did to Barker. Uh huh. Tell me another. Where is Brentano? I don't know. What does he look like? I don't know. Come on, Leo. I don't know, Scott. I swear I don't know. Afraid of him? I know where to sit. Seems to me everybody knows where to sit right on the edge of their chairs. I could fix that, Leo. Yeah, how? Tell me where Brentano is. I'll pick him up and I'll bring him down. I don't know where he is, Scott. I told you once, I don't know. Here's your coffee and the toothpick. Thanks. Hey, Cap, uh, where'd you get the egg? From a dairy. It's a better egg than the ones you're serving here. (laughs) So long, Tony. Yeah, Larry, come in. It looks better. Feels better. Now, what's new on the Barker killing? Well, M.E. made his report. Yeah? Two slugs, one straight through the heart. Killed instantly. What time did he get it? Well, about 1 a.m., the doc says. Uh-huh. Looks to happen just a few minutes before I got there. That's why you got sapped. You know it's in just as the killer was getting ready to leave. That trick he pulled with the lights. Smart. Yeah. Anything from the lab, boy? They found a few things. What things? Cigarette ashes for one. Barker's? We don't know yet. What else? Two chips of wood on the floor in the corner. What from? 
I don't know that yet either. I'll let you know when the report's complete. Yeah. Any prints? None. At the crop? Yep. Uh-huh. Larry, tell me something. Hmm? Did you ever hear of Nick Brentano? Sure. Who is he? Hmm, nothing more than a name right now. Where did he come from? Nobody knows, but he's moved in on most of the rackets in town and moved in hard. He must have a record. Not under that name. I've looked. Well, Larry, the thing that gets me is this. Nobody's ever seen this guy. They don't know what he looks like, but they're all scared to death of him. Sure, because Brentano's big muscle and dangerous. He's supposed to be responsible for a couple of unsolved killings still on the books. Yeah, and the only way we'll nail him is to get him out in the open. Oh, got an idea he pulled the trigger on Barker? Barker and Brentano worked together. Where'd you get that? From Barker's wife. Mm. They were living in Gary when Joe got out of stir. One day, Brentano called up, and right away, Barker packed his bag and land. Next thing we see of Barker, he's full of holes. Now, you figure it. You don't have to. This Brentano seems to be quite a guy. Got the department going crazy, the underworld scared stiff. How can he lose with that combination? He will. Leave us hope so. He's a little heavy-handed, Larry. He'll make a slip one of these days. And soon. They held services for Joe Barker the next day. I went along, not out of any deep-seated love for Joe, but because of Madge. As I stood beside her there in the church and looked at Joe's casket, I began to think. Joe Barker had been a crook and a swindler. Gotten his money by taking it out of other people's pockets. But Joe had paid the penalty time and time again. And each time he was sentenced, he accepted it with a shrug. Hmm. Funny little guy. He never learned. Maybe, as Madge said, it was like a disease. Sure, they're worse criminals than Joe Barker, much worse. Take the Nick Brentano type, the killer. The kind who gets what he wants every time, even if it means taking another man's life. <laughs> I don't know, but I guess it was right then and there in church, looking from Madge's face to the casket and back again, that I decided I wouldn't sleep until I heard Nick Brentano behind bars. What's the matter, Jim? Huh? Nothing, Madge. Nothing. I was only thinking. Later out on the street, I offered to go along to the burial. No, you don't have to, Jim. You've got your job. I don't want to keep you away from it. Whatever you say, Madge. And Jim, thanks. For what? Everything. You've been swell. Forget it. And save the thanks until later. When I bring Joe's killer into headquarters. Captain Scott. Yeah, Larry. What? Okay, shoot. Yeah, yeah. It was, huh? Well, sure it does. Great. Uh I'll tell you when I see you. Yeah, I think we got it now. Thanks, boy. See you later. Toothpick around? Yeah. Last boot over by the wall. Thanks. Hello, Leo. Scott. Mind if I sit down? Go ahead. Thanks. What's on your mind? Same thing. Montano? Yeah. Why don't you give up, Scott? Uh, 
Where is he, Leo? I don't know. Come on. Well, look, Scott, I told you. I know what you told me, and I don't believe it. You know where Brentano hangs his hat, Leo. Why don't you loosen up? Because it wouldn't be healthy. You stay clam, Leo. I can make it unhealthy for you, too. What do you mean? You know where Brentano is, and you won't tell. I can book you for complicity and suppression of information. Yeah? Yeah. I can also uh, drop word around that you're crossing Brentano and playing with the law. When your lawyer springs you, Brentano might be sore enough to come gunning. You know what I mean? Listen, don't put me in a spot. That's what I came down for. But if I tell you where Nick is and you don't get him, he'll hear about it. Scott, no, he won't. Yes, he'll... Listen, Leo, it's all very simple. Just give me the address. Come along when I make the pinch, if you like. What can Brentano do to you once he's in stir? Scott, I can. Sure you can. I don't make it hard, Leo. I don't want to drag you in if I don't have to. What do you say? Okay. That's better. We can get a cab outside. It's not far from here. You want to come along? Yeah. If you don't nab him, I don't want to be alone when he finds out that I told you. You'll get protection. Now, let's go. We got a cab right outside the tavern. Leo sat hunched up with his hands clamped tightly in his lap. His face looked chalky and the muscles around his mouth were rigid. Toothpick wasn't wagging now. It just stuck out of his mouth straight and motionless. It reminded me of a guy I'd seen once up at State Penn a few minutes before he went to the chair. <coughs> What's the matter, Leo? You're nervous? I'm all right. Don't let it get you down. You're doing the right thing. Nick won't think so. Never mind what he thinks. Yeah. But don't worry. I'm pretty quick on the draw myself. You'll have to be. I thought you said it wasn't far. Just a few more blocks. Right at the next corner, Mac. Classy neighborhood. Nick's got dough. Won't have much use for it pretty soon. We dropped the cab in front of a quiet, very respectable apartment building in the East 50s. A very polite doorman did the honors, and inside was a very polite lobby, very expensively furnished. It all spelled money in my book. Brentano did all right. Leo led the way to a self-service elevator and pushed the button to the third floor. I studied Leo on the way up. He was still tight and on edge, and I thought his eyes looked a little glassy. The third floor was carpeted like the lobby, but what had been a wine red downstairs had changed to a green plush up here. We walked over to 309, and Leo pushed the doorbell. Maybe he's not in. Try again. No soap. We'll have to come back. We'll wait. Right here? Be more comfortable inside. The door's locked. Maybe it isn't. Let me see. After you, Leo. What do we do now? Sit down. Wait for Mr. Brentano to show. But he might be out of time. We might have to wait a week. Or I don't think so. Nick Brentano's right here in this apartment, Leo. And I'm looking straight at him. Okay, copper. Rich. Rich! <laughs> I'd always thought I was quick on the draw, but Leo gave me a lesson that night. 
There I was looking right at him, his hands hung at his sides, and all of a sudden he had a gun in his fist. It was like magic. I get over against the wall. That's right. Hold it. I'll take that gun. Thanks. Fast, Leo. I practice in front of a mirror every night. You must give me a few pointers sometime. I'll be glad to. How'd you know it was me, Scott? A lot of little things. They all added up. I'm not good at addition. Explain it to me. For sure. The night Joe Barker got it, for instance, the killer heard me coming up the stairs and he unscrewed the light bulb, opened the door and waited, sat me in the dark. Now, why would he go to all that trouble unless he knew it was a police officer coming up those stairs, coming to Barker's room? You knew, Leo, because you sent me. Smart figuring. And the next morning in the diner, you said you'd been looking for me all night, that you'd heard about Barker. And the papers didn't have it yet. Right. The department didn't let it out until 10 o'clock that morning. What else? The clincher. One of my men phoned me a little while ago with a big piece of news. Yeah? The lab boys found some chips of wood in a corner of Barker's room. They put them together and got a toothpick. <laughs> yeah, I have a habit of chewing the picks when I get excited. A bad habit in this case. You left the key to your identity, Leo. Or Nick. By the way, what do you like to be called? A Leo. That's my right name. Yeah. They all added up, Leo. But it wasn't enough. I had to have it out of your own mouth, and I've got it. But it won't do you any good. Maybe. Tell me, Leo. Why did you kill Barker? You never figured that. He thought I owed him a hundred bucks. Did you? Well, that's beside the point. He got sore about it. He threatened to spill about the policy game and about me being Brentano. Why didn't you pay him the hundred bucks and send him on his way? Because I like money too much. Too bad. You had a nice little business at the start. Should have stuck to it. Stuck to what? Being the smart little grifter. When you turn racket man and killer, you stepped out of character, Leo. You can't handle it. You're in trouble now. I'm not worried. No? I got the rod. I'd been watching Leo closely ever since we'd stepped out of the elevator. A big change had come over him. He wasn't tight and tense anymore, but seemed to have command of every muscle in his body. Toothpick wagged up and down like mad now. He was chewing it like a cigar. His eyes weren't cold and steely, but glassy, almost without expression, the eyes of a killer. I watched his trigger finger waiting for the first sign of tightening. Don't move, Scott. Well, sorry, Leo, just shifting my feet. Crap, huh? Yeah. He was playing the cat and mouse game, enjoying himself because he thought he had it all sewed up. But there was a chance. Leo was toward the center of the room with his back against the chair. I had my back against the wall. And along the wall at the floor, I noticed the lamp cord connected to the only lighted lamp in the room. I did it slowly, inching my foot over to the wire, fraction by fraction. It was hard work. My leg began to hurt. You're a smart copper, Scott. Thanks for the compliment. Nothing at all. I like smart people. I got respect for them. That's why I didn't pop you in Barker's place. Thanks. But now... Well, I got no choice. Leo's knuckle began to whiten around the trigger. I made the lamp call just in time and I jerked. Missed, Leo. I'll get you the next time. Try it. Leo still had the gun, but in the dark it was a more even game. I landed most of my punches to his midsection and tried to keep as low to the floor as possible. 
I couldn't lose him. Every time he fired the gun, the flash told me where he was. <laughs> Missed again. You haven't got me yet. Find this one for size. <laughs> Hello, Johnny. Scott. Yeah. Listen, I got Nick Brentano. Brentano. No, he's not dead, just out cold. Four, five, six, sudden place, that's it. No, Brentano, beers and ballistics. Hurry it up, Johnny, will you? I'm all in. Under arrest. Into your cells. All prisoners present and accounted for. have just heard Under Arrest, presented by Mutual, a new series featuring Joe DeSantis as police captain Jim Scott. Under Arrest is directed by Martin Magna and written by Bill Wells. Original music is composed by Bob Monroe. Madge was played by Florence Robinson, Leo by Joseph Julian, Gavin by Carl Eastman, Tony by Murray Forbes. All names of persons used in Under Arrest are fictitious. Any resemblance to names of actual persons, living or dead, is coincidental. Ted Malley speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, overall, this was uh, actually a pretty enjoyable episode. And you'll notice that Susan wasn't in this episode. And I don't actually... It's been a while since I've listened through Under Arrest, but it's been a while... Uh, but I don't think she was heard after the summer series. And it does give a different feel to the series. In some ways, it... Uh, under arrest felt kind of like call the police here at least in terms of the way how the cases are investigated feels a little bit like Broadway is my beat though Broadway is my beat of course had uh, you know that more lyrical quality to the dialogue and to the narration but here it really it does work pretty effectively I think there are some nice emotional beats in it for Captain Scott and I really did enjoy the suspense during the final scene. Well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. 
Thank you to Paul. Paul's been one of our Patreon supporters since August, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Paul. And that will actually do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Public Domain Video Theater. We'll be bringing you Dragnet the Big Little Jesus over at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. And then if you go over to amazing.greatdetectives.net, we'll be bringing you the Amazing World of Radio Christmas special at amazing.greatdetectives.net. And then Monday through Thursday next week, we will have a lineup of Christmas detective programs. And of course, we'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Under Arrest. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.